The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Episode 224 marks the fifth anniversary of the Read to Lead podcast and is brought to you in part by Self-Publishing School and by FreshBooks. Get a free copy of Chandler Bolt's book, Published, when you sign up for free training on how to go from blank page to published author in as little as 90 days. Visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash published to get your free copy now. And for 30 days, you can use FreshBooks cloud accounting software absolutely free, get access to all of their features, and and you don't even need a credit card to take advantage of their free trial. To find out more, freshbooks.com slash read to lead. One of the most amazing things about the time that we live in is it's never been easier to start a business. There's never been a lower barrier to entry. You don't have to go mortgage your house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm excited. This is the fifth anniversary episode of the Read to Lead podcast, kicked off five years ago yesterday, to be exact. This is the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I am Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then intentional and consistent reading has got to be a part of that plan. The Read to Lead podcast is going to help you narrow your reading list and help bring you key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. One of those is a young lady by the name of Christine McAllister. She's our guest today and author of the book, The Income Replacement Formula, Seven Simple Steps to Doing What You Love and Making Six Figures from Anywhere. If you have any desire to do this or explore some of the possibilities of working for yourself, or this is something that you're already doing, and you just want to kind of rock it, then this is certainly a conversation you're going to want to pay attention to. I plan to ask Christine to share about things like effectively dealing with the negative talk that originates from your own mind and other mindset-related issues, understanding the importance of asking yourself the question, what makes me weird? Why setting your goals a quarter at a time is best and lots, lots more. You know, Christine, like several of our recent guests, is a first-time author. If writing a book is something you've ever thought about doing, maybe you've started the process and stopped a few times, uh, you know how hard that process can be. And writing a book that makes real money and gets read by real people is harder still. In fact, it can sometimes feel almost impossible. That is, if you don't have a proven system in place that you can follow. And that's where my friend Chandler Bolt comes in with the free training that he's offering to you right now. He comes from Self Publishing School, which is an online education company that's dedicated to helping you get your book idea out of your head and onto paper as quickly as possible and then getting it into the hands of as many people as possible. And the cool part about his free training is it walks you through the exact process to follow to go from blank page to published author in as little as 90 days, just like Chandler has done 
time and time again. He's been on the show a couple of times to talk about previous books, in fact. And one of those, called Published, he wants to give to you for free. And all you have to do to get a copy of Chandler's book for free, normally sells for $15. You can go look at it right now on Amazon. Published, Chandler Bolt, $14.99. But he wants to give it to you for free, simply for signing up for his free training. He's a generous guy. He really is. So if you want to do that right now, simply go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash published. That address again is readtoleadpodcast.com slash published. Writing a book can absolutely change your life. Don't hesitate another day. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash published. Christine McAllister is the founder of Life with Passion. It's a company that helps high-achieving and motivated entrepreneurs use their unique gifts in order to make the leap to working for themselves, something I think more people need to be thinking about than currently are, and Christine, I think, feels that way, too. Uh, after a few entrepreneurial ventures of her own, a history that includes founding companies in, in marketing, agriculture, and household products, uh, Christine herself experienced the worst tragedy a parent uh, can imagine, after which she realized she needed to allow herself to do and be more. Uh, since then, she's managed to smash through fear, self-doubt, and, and other obstacles that were holding her back from sharing her true gifts with the world. Now, her book explores that journey and, and lays out a step-by-step process for how you can do the same, and it's called the Income Replacement Formula, Seven Simple Steps thankfully for me, uh, to doing what you love and making six figures from anywhere. Christine, welcome officially to Read to Lead. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you here reading the book uh, from cover to cover as I did and realizing today, I don't read a lot of books on Kindle. I like having the, the physical book when I can, but in the interest of time, I purchased yours that way and exported my, my highlights and my notes this morning and realized that that PDF was 17 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of surprised by that. So uh, that means I think I got a lot out of your book. I love to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, Christine's book, she says early on, is less about things like time management and productivity and systems and structures and that sort of thing, and more about belief in yourself. Uh, Christine, why do you feel that the belief in ourselves kind of trumps everything else along the road to, to success? Well, for high achievers, for people who are capable and accomplished, what I really find is that when the mindset is strong, the strategies are simple. And as one of my clients said to me that a monk told him, doing it is easy, thinking about it is hard. <laughs> <laughs> so if you take both of those two things and really consider them, I think you'll find that a lot of times it's what's going on in your head, the fear, the self-doubt, right? Mm. That stops you from taking action. And I think a lot of times that's why what we really crave when we're thinking about starting a business on the side, when we're thinking about making the leap out of our nine to fives is a clear plan because we just mm. think, oh my gosh, if someone would just cut through all the noise and tell me exactly what to do, I would just go do it already, mm. right? So there's a piece that certainly needs to happen where we approach business building with simplicity. But what we find along the way is that the stories we have in our own heads about why it's not possible, about what might happen if we fail, often stop us at the point where we get as far as we can doing what we have always known how to do. And then when it comes to doing something new, we completely freak ourselves out and either like self-sabotage somehow or find ourselves being totally stuck or hiding out. And that's where learning to trust yourself, learning to take action in spite of those things is so key. 
And something you say in the book that I definitely agree with uh, sort of echoes something that Seth Godin uh, once said to me. He, the way he put it was, uh, we don't take action because we believe. Uh, we believe because we take action. Do first, yes. believe second. 100%. Yes. Mm. Yeah, because I think there's a way in which action cements belief. Mm. And I'm sure that somebody came up with that phrase, and I've just heard it along the way, so I can't attribute <laughs> it. But I really find it to be true that mm. if you and some people might say you act as if right, mm. but we also get clarity from taking that action. We don't know if we're going to like something until we do it, right? That's why we do things like internships and things like that when we're in school, because we might find out that we thought something was going to be super glamorous and fun. And then we find out <laughs> it's super boring and full of drudgery and we hate it. Great. Mm. So glad we figured that out before we devoted our entire major or career to it, right? Mm. Same thing here. Taking that action is going to give you the insight as to whether that was something you want to do again, don't want to do again, or if it's something you want to continue uh, doing as you build your business. Well, I should point out uh, that this episode marks the fifth anniversary of the Read to Lead podcast. And in that five years, I've been working for myself. And I could attest to what you just said in that I've attempted a lot of firsts over that five years, things that when I began working on them, I wasn't sure I was capable of doing, but decided I was going to take the action and, and trust that you know, belief and confidence and clarity would follow. And that's exactly what I've found to be the case. I love that. And congratulations on five years. That's amazing. Well, and congratulations on, on being our anniversary guest. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very honored. <laughs> well, for someone who, who knows they're currently not where they want to be, maybe that's a, a job they feel stuck in or a job they hate, but they're not sure what it is they are passionate about doing. What are their first steps to, in figuring that out? I think that one thing to consider is that it's likely that when you were a child, you were very clear about your passions and there's no reason not to be at that point. Yeah. Right. And so I think it can be very revealing to think about the things that you loved when you were young and also to have conversations with the people who knew you well and that you can trust to ask those questions uh, about what made you different, what made you stand out. You know, for me, I was completely animal obsessed uh, <laughs> from the time that I could even connect with them. And I was a leader and I was constantly having my cousins and my siblings uh, be sitting in a classroom and I would play teacher, right? I didn't play dolls. I played veterinarian and I played like teacher. <laughs> and so, those are two very strong themes for me. And I, I really do believe that we all have those things. And I think that looking at what those were is a great place to start. Because sometimes when we're in a, in a job that we don't love, or we're drained, and we're leading very busy, full lives, we can feel like, well, I don't even know what I'm passionate about anymore. I've lost myself. And it can certainly feel that way. But I think the thing that I would suggest is that you probably really do know you're probably just not really connected to those things right now because of the way life looks for you. So taking a step back, asking yourself that question, asking people in your life who knew you young that question is a great way to sort of rekindle those desires and those inher inherent passions. Uh, we were talking a moment ago briefly about, about mindset. Uh, you say that, that many of the people you talk to believe that things happen to them and that they have no control over the results they see in their lives. Uh, that's typically because our brains have been trained to think that way. You say we can retrain our brains, though. Can, can you expound on that? Yes, yes, yes. So we know that the emerging field of epigenetics, right, is teaching us that it's possible to continue to create new 
neural pathways and rewire our brains where we used to think, oh, once your brain's done growing when you're about 25, like it's all downhill <laughs> from here, right? So what, what I discovered when I started out on this journey was that, yeah, you can actually teach yourself to think new and better thoughts. You can completely change your outlook on life and the experiences that you have by changing the way that you think. And also, of course, the meaning that you create out of these experiences. And I think, as Tony Robbins says, if you begin to look at everything happening for you instead of to you, what could this be doing for me, right? What could this mean for me instead of, oh, I am, I'm such a mess. This is always my life is so chaotic. Oh, things are so hard, right? Because we're actually reinforcing that very story. And if we begin to go, what things around me are good right now? And we begin to pay attention to those. There's a part of our brain called the reticular activating system. Mm. And give my friend Dana Wild credit for this. She taught it to me. The reticular activating system, its job is to look for ways to match up in the outside world what's going on internally for you. So a great example and one that I've personally experienced is if you're thinking about getting pregnant or you're pregnant yourself, suddenly everyone around you is pregnant. When... <laughs> Or you're like, oh my gosh, look at all these kids. I never noticed all the babies before, right? Because it's simply what you're giving your attention to. Mm. So when we start to give our attention to something more along the lines of what we desire, then our reticular activating system can actually go and find evidence that that's true, that that's possible, and that we're moving toward it. You know, I, I've noticed that ever since I've had this wild hair idea, my wife calls it, of purchasing an RV. I can't drive anywhere without seeing RVs all over the place <laughs> in people's driveways, on the road, you name it. There's, there's an RV everywhere I look. I, I liked, uh, to, to the point you were just making, I liked the, the um, story from the book where you talk about, I think it was going to uh, train or ride one of your horses and it began raining and you weren't able to do that. But, but you asked a question that changed sort of the course of the rest of the day so that that became something that was like a negative and turned it into a positive. It's, it's a great example of how my brain has changed, <laughs> right? Because in the past, I would have been like, oh, I just drove an hour to get here. I arranged childcare. I had these big plans. And now <sighs> everything is ruined. What a waste. I don't know when I'm going to come back and have the time to do this again. Instead, it was like, what, what, could be, what could be good? What could come out of this situation that would be good, that I could feel good about? And I began to find things that I could work on with my horse and ways to take care of my other horses that I would not have given attention to if everything had gone according to plan. And if I hadn't taught myself to begin thinking of, and gotten a lot of support mm. <laughs> as well to begin thinking about uh, things differently and in a way that was frankly, more supportive to my life and my happiness. Mm. And one of the most eye-opening quotes in the book for me was, and as I said earlier, I think I highlighted about 132 different passages, <laughs> uh, but one of my favorites was the question that Christine asks, who has to die for you to give yourself permission to live for yourself? Uh, I found that to be very motivating. Christine, what prompted you to, to write that? Well, you know, if, if I had read that myself five years ago, maybe, I probably would have thought, well, that's kind of extreme. Mm. But in early 2015, I was expecting my first baby. And at the end of the pregnancy, when we had just put the car seat in the car and finished the baby showers, mm. and it was time to put my feet up after I packed a bag for the hospital, right? Put my feet up and wait for this thing to happen. 
I went to a routine doctor appointment and found out that her heart had stopped. And so that began then an insane 36 hours of being admitted to the hospital and delivering my daughter, who I knew was no longer alive, Mm. and going through the experience of having a full-term, unexplained stillbirth, when at that point, everyone knew I was pregnant. And then I came home from the hospital without a baby. Mm. And so that really, really turned my life upside down. And, you know, it kind of demolished it into a pile of rubble that I sort of then got to choose how to piece back together and rebuild. And to be honest, it was it took me losing her for me to take a hard look at my life Mm. and what I was doing because I was successful enough at that point. I knew that there was something more for me. I knew that there was a bigger plan for me and a bigger mission for me, but I was comfortable enough that I wasn't seeking it out. Mm. And then when I became the most uncomfortable possible, I realized that this was my opportunity to say, you know what, forget it, forget the fears and self doubts. Like, nothing worse can happen to me. Mm. I am now going to give myself permission to live for myself. And so that quote, who has to die for you to give yourself permission to live for yourself. I think that part of my mission is to help people make that choice on their own without having to experience the kind of tragedy that I did to Mm. really shake them up. Gosh, so, so powerful. Thank you for, for being uh, vulnerable enough to, to share that. I appreciate it. Uh, well, if you would, uh, Christine, speak to the to the negative voices in our heads. We need to be prepared. I mean, there are those around us, well-meaning people giving us advice that we don't want. But but speak to the <laughs> to the negative voices in our heads. We need to be prepared for, uh, and how the closer we get to doing something extraordinary, the louder we can expect those voices to get. Yes, it is a universal phenomenon, and I think that we also find a way to personalize it and to make it feel like there must be something wrong with me that I have all these fears and (laughs) self-doubts. And so I think the first thing to recognize is that it's totally normal. It's totally common, just as is getting naysayers outside of you when that's also something we tend to personalize. So first of all, become aware, right? Okay, this is fine. And it's normal. I think back to brain science, because I think there's a way in which when we talk about mindset, some people are like kind of how some people feel about meditation, right? Like, (laughs) oh, that's not for me. I have my to-do list is too long, right? Right. So however you feel about mindset, I really like to explain the neuroscience behind it because I think in in that way it can make a lot more sense. Mm. And it goes back to our ancestors and the safety that came from being in a tribe. And literally the physical safety that came as a result of being in community together and being able to protect each other, right? If you're out wandering alone, it is much more likely that you're going to get jumped by a tiger or (laughs) right a mountain lion or wherever you are in the world. And so I, I really believe and research shows this, right, that our DNA is encoded for community and to stay safe. Mm. right? That's our our brain's main job is to keep us safe. And to our brain, safe is same. So whatever you've been doing, even if it is like the most illogical thing, and you're completely miserable, like I was in my nine to five, depressed from how draining and soul sucking it was, it was still so terrifying to consider quitting my job that I didn't do it for years, because that safety was paramount. Mm. And It comes out of our unconscious mind, which researchers say is 95, some even say 96% of how we operate or the place from which we operate. So I think that the closer we get, 
the louder it gets because it's trying so desperately to keep us safe as if it was protecting us from a tiger. It's the same fight or flight mechanism in the brain that feels just as terrifying to, I don't know, put a Facebook post out (laughs) announcing your new business as it would be if you're staring a grizzly bear in the face in the middle of nowhere with no idea how to protect yourself. Mm. You know, uh, as, as I think about some stats I've read recently, uh, we had Vincent Puglisi on last week, uh, a book called Freelance to Freedom, uh, where he mentioned that uh, 80% uh, currently say they're, they're dissatisfied in their jobs. Another stat that says uh, in the next 10 years, about 50% of us will be, will be freelancers. I'm a big believer, Christine, that, that more people need to be preparing now for working apart from, or at least in addition to a traditional job. But I hear some people push back on that and say, well, we, we can't all be freelancers. We're not all designed uh, to be working for ourselves. And I think that's probably true. Uh, but, but where do you fall on that? Do you, do you believe that most people aren't ready for, for the future? And, and, and this can be the difference, I guess. I, I see so many people losing their jobs and, and not having something in place yes. like a side business to, to help sort of bridge the gap. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I obviously think that entrepreneurship is the best thing ever. (laughs) uh, Before I started Life with Passion, I was already living out this work that I meant to do because I was constantly trying to talk my friends and family who had no interest in entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. into monetizing their hobbies or becoming entrepreneurs of some kind. And they were like, what? No, that's not. (laughs) No interest in that, right? Mm. (laughs) So that my attention needed to be redirected toward people who did have that interest and that desire. But what I say all the time is that there's this big cultural belief that having a job is safe, back to that safety thing, because Mm. of the, quote, steady paycheck. And so we believe that, you know, deeply and in our unconscious minds. But when we look legitimately at the people we know who've gotten laid off or Mm. how companies make decisions so differently than they used to, right? Mm. Reduction in forces, layoffs, early retirements, buyouts, whatever. And I have clients who come to me, you know, starting a second chapter Mm. because they got laid off and they never expected to, right? Because they work somewhere super, super quote unquote safe. So I really believe that working for yourself is much more secure and stable than a job because let's say in any kind of business, you're going to have multiple clients or multiple customers and you're spreading out your risk across so many different people rather than having one boss. And so I believe that if it's something that you have a desire for, then it's possible. It's just that most of us, I think, are taught through our education and through our life experience and through societal norms that we're taught how to be really good employees. We're not taught how to be entrepreneurs. And so it feels really scary and uncertain, even if there's a desire there. But I think the people who have the desire have it for a reason. And mm. I think it, the skill set can be learned. I certainly was in that camp for, for years of, of thinking that I could never work for myself. That's just too scary of a, of, of a proposition. And I wasn't really intentional about starting a side business. I just thought, hey, I, I just want to see if I can do this. And thankfully, I did because about three years after doing that, I got laid off from a job I'd been at for 14 years that I thought mm-hmm. I, I was going to be at until I decided I wasn't going to be at and got pushed out of the nest. And had I not had that to fall back on and some severance that helped, I think I would have immediately started looking for another job, but I didn't have to start looking for another job. I could, I could explore. And, and much like you, within the first 30 days of doing it, I had replaced my income. 
Uh, in fact, I, I, I believe I doubled it in that first month. Wow. I, I should say I invoiced what was double my income. I hadn't actually received that money yet, so that's <laughs> it's not exactly the same thing. But when I when I when I saw that I had invoiced double what I typically made in a month, I'm like, I'm going to be fine. I should have done this sooner. Yeah. What was I waiting for? What was I so afraid of? And I can't imagine now, five years later, having a regular job. I I just cannot Mm -hmm. fathom it. I love that. Well, a lot of people I talk to uh, struggle with with determining their their niche or their niche. I I never know how I'm supposed to say that. (laughs) Uh, Christine says uh, one of the best ways to attract the people you are best equipped to serve is asking yourself, what makes you weird? Uh, Can can you unpack that for us, Christine? It's such a fun question because <laughs> I think there's all this pressure around determining your niche, knowing your niche, right? Mm-hmm. And then we attach all these fancy terms to it, like your client, ideal client avatar, your ICA, <laughs> whatever, your target market. It's all businessy, right? <laughs> the reason that people buy from you is because you're a person and they know, like, and trust you. Mm-hmm. And so we know that stories are such a powerful way to relate our message. And I think that the more that you can own your story and truly what makes you different or what makes you weird, then the easier it is to distinguish yourself from any perceived competition. Because really, when you own what makes you weird, uh, you find that you are going to work with people who share those traits or admire those traits, wish they had them. And you don't have competition because people can only hear or work with or buy from you. Mm. And so I'd love to hear what makes you weird if you have anything that you want to share. And I'm happy to share (laughs) what makes me weird too. But it's just such a great question to ask yourself and then to own it, right? To be Mm. visible about the things that you choose to share that make you weird. It's just uh, an amazing exercise. Yeah, and I'm, I, there's a, a lot of places my brain goes uh, when when you ask that <laughs> that question uh, for sure. I think one of the things that makes me uh, I think more the word unique than I do the word weird. I think, but as I was thinking about getting into mentoring and coaching other podcasters, which is something I, I've been doing for about uh, four and a half years, and I, I would say is the the single largest percentage of my income. Mm. I, I was stuck with things like, well, there's already people doing that. There's, you know, uh, John John Lee Dumas has just started doing that with Podcasters Paradise and Cliff Ravenscraft does that and Daniel J. Lewis. But then I had trusted friends and and even listeners uh, to the show uh, saying things to me. But yeah, you did radio for 26 years. You Mm -hmm. have all these experiences that bring this uniqueness to the table that none of these other people have. And and I want to learn from you, not from them, because you've had those experiences. I love that because you could take what you did in a major medium and apply it to this new technology medium. Right, right. And the funny thing about that is, is even though you might say I was in competition with some of these other folks, I've since aligned myself not long after that with, with John Dumas, who, who sends me the largest percentage of referrals for coaching that I get. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you got to think outside the box, I think, and realize that the it's it. And oftentimes I think we get stuck in, in thinking it's a finite pie and yes. everybody's in competition with everybody else. And I have found in, in this industry, at least, and I think this is the case in others, that podcasters by and large know that when one person succeeds, it helps all of us. <laughs> if more ears are being brought to the medium, that's good for, for everybody. 
I love that. And what, yeah, what a beautiful thing to really recognize and own, because I think in the beginning of any business, we do tend to feel like, oh, no, there's so many people who are already doing it. What's going to be different about me? Mm. Uh, They're so much further along. I'll never get there. (laughs) Right. But instead, just being willing to go, I'm allowed to figure this out along the way. There is space for me. And guess what? I can become friends with people who do the same thing (laughs) and we can find ways to help each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what what are the steps you would give or advice you would give, Christine, to, to a client, say, to create maybe that first, I think what you call it is premium priced value packed offer. This is something I struggled with for a long time. Uh, and then once I came up with it, struggled with charging what I felt like was too much and getting comfortable with what I was charging. What, what, what advice would you give for somebody in that situation? I think that one of the easiest ways to start out with this is, of of course, you first have to know your niche. You cannot create an offer for somebody unless you're very specific on who that offer is for. Mm. Your coaching is not for anybody who wants to be in any broadcast medium, right? It's for podcasters, you know? And so you have to be clear on who it's for first, because then you know what to make and what they need and how to message around it. And everything flows out of that. And then I think if you're still in a, a nine to five, figure out your hourly salary. And I find that a lot of people are comfortable charging that in the beginning for their services Mm. because someone's already paying them that much and not saying that that's where you want to stay, but perhaps you charge that much for the first three people to really grow your confidence Mm -hmm. and help you know how much value you're giving them, own your expertise, help them get some results. And then perhaps you're ready to double the price, which is probably closer to actually replacing your income. Because when you work for yourself, if you build 20 hours a week of something, you're doing really, really well. Because there are so many other parts and pieces involved in running your own business that you don't get paid for. Hmm. I, I know that many uh, of the clients you work with are a little apprehensive to, to put themselves out there, uh, so to speak, whether that's in social media or maybe doing uh, you know, Facebook Live. I know that's something you struggled with uh, the first time or two. What mm-hmm. advice would you give for someone who's hesitant or, or, or unsure about that? I think just like with the negative voices in our heads, that's totally normal. Hmm. I think that most often, if you don't come from a background in production of some kind, right, if you haven't been on air like you have, or even I came from a background of media production too, but I was mostly behind the camera. Mm. I think there's a way in which we can feel like weird or icky or pushy or awkward, especially if we really care about Mm. delivering value and we really care about supporting and helping people. We don't necessarily want to be the face in front. But I think one of the most amazing things about the time that we live in is it's never been easier to start a business. There's never been a lower barrier to entry. You don't have to go mortgage your house at the bank. And so leveraging the tools that we have to get visible is the quickest way to build a business. And I think that if you can approach it from a sense of like, people need to hear this message that I have to share, it's truly not about me. It's about getting in front of them and showing them what's possible and providing my solution. I think that that can really help if you're somebody who really is a helper, right? Mm. Really wants to serve and is worried. They don't want to create a cult of personality around them, right? (laughs) I think that that can really, that can really be a great first step is to go, look, people need this information. They don't have it. This thing that comes so naturally to me, it doesn't mean that because it come so naturally to me, it comes so naturally to everyone. It actually means that that's my superpower. Mm. And 
it's my responsibility to get it out there and let people know that whatever the thing is, you can quit your nine to five. You can replace your income in the first month. You can build a business doing what you love. There is space for you. Whatever that thing is for you, not in a pressured way, but like it's your responsibility to bring that gift to the world. And you are allowed to be terrible at it at first. (laughs) Because guess what? You don't have an audience of a million people Mm. who are waiting for you to go on Facebook Live. You get to practice (laughs) and become better at it. It, just like every one of us has. Mm. Like my friend Brian Dixon says, that thing that comes easily to you is is magic to other people. Yes, I love that. <laughs> That's a great one. Well, you hear it from me on, on a pretty regular basis. You heard Christine a moment ago mention that it's never been easier to start a business. And one of the main reasons for that is because of the tools we have at our disposal. Things that didn't exist 5, 10, 15 years ago make starting a business cost-effective and, as Christine said, help you get off the ground without you having to mortgage your house. And one of my favorite tools, you know it, it's the one I can't run my business without. It's FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software. And as you're participating in this conversation, if you're thinking to yourself, I need to start a side business, know that I started mine utilizing FreshBooks from the very beginning. I needed a way to invoice clients. FreshBooks was there. It worked. It was simple. And I've been using it ever since. And that was nine years ago. Haven't looked back. Haven't tried anything else. Haven't needed anything else. FreshBooks grows as your business grows. As I said, it's simple to use. And right now they've got a free 30-day trial just for you, making giving it a try a no-brainer. You get access to all of FreshBooks features. You don't even need a credit card. It's sign up. And you're helping the show out, too, when you give FreshBooks a try. To do that, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead, and you put read to lead in the how did you hear about us section so they know. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead to give FreshBooks a try today. Again, no obligation whatsoever. Well, a couple of years ago, I, I embraced the productivity mindset, if you will, of, of not trying to plan my goals and map out my goals annually, but but instead quarterly. A big fan of the book, The 12-Week Year. And, and, and you echo mm-hmm. performance expert, I think it's Todd Herman, when you say mm-hmm. our brains can't fully grasp year-long goals. Why do you feel breaking down your goals by quarter is, is best? Well, in this stage of business building and in this type of business building, we want to get consistent, right? We know that's one of the keys to success. But I find that a lot of times when people are getting started or they're fixing a struggling business, they feel like, I have to know exactly what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it forever or at least for the next five years, right? Right. And I find that it takes so much pressure off to go, what could you commit to talking about for the next 90 days? What could you commit to selling for the next 90 days? We can wrap our brains around that. And it doesn't feel like forever. It feels doable. You can get and stay consistent in that period of time. And also, it's about the amount of time that I see it taking of you talking about one thing for a long time in order for people to remember it and for you to begin to see results from it Mm. as opposed to putting something out there once on Twitter and like the doors don't come crashing down of people wanting to buy your stuff even though like we see ads that promise that kind of thing. You know, it does take consistency and I think that 90 days is just a really doable time frame especially if you're on the side of a nine to five where you can do just something little every day and begin to see the results of it. 
one of the things I learned while in radio, the stats and studies that I've seen say that the average person needs to hear a message, you know, 10, 12 times before it starts to to sink in. So I I think that that lends credence to, to what you're saying. Yes, yes, 100%. Well, I've got a couple of questions, uh, Christine, I want to ask you that aren't directly related to the book. But before I do that, anything else from the book you want to make sure that we we walk away with? I think the biggest thing is that it is possible. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I wrote the book to tell you how but also so that you would know that you could, right? (laughs) That it doesn't have to be 25 steps and a 50-page business plan before you're allowed to start doing this, right? You don't have to have every single thing figured out before you start making money. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) So I think like that's the thing that I want you to know. That's the thing that I want you to begin to believe and to experiment with and that you can take five minutes a day and start to figure this thing out for yourself because when you do that, you're going to also build the confidence that you can keep doing it and you can do it bigger. And then soon you're celebrating the fifth anniversary of your podcast <laughs> and you've had all these amazing experiences and made all these amazing connections along the way. I love the story that you shared in the book uh, appearing on uh, John Dumas's show and being super prepared for that and then kind of being thrown a curveball and not feeling like you handled that really well and beating yourself up about it. And there was a lot of time between when that took place and when it actually was released. And then you listen back to it and you're like, you can't even tell. That, that's actually- I sound great. I sound fine. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. It was such, whatever, three months of totally just sweating it and thinking that maybe he's not even going to air it because it was so horrible, right? And then it came out and it was such a big success and something that I'm so proud of and something I'm so happy that connected me to him as well. And like, but, but it was, it was terrifying in the moment, but I just, I kept talking. I kept showing up. I didn't say that's it. I'm out. Click by. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, uh, believe it or not. I've, I've had similar situations where I just kind of froze. Not that you froze. Uh, you, you, you handled it better than I did, but uh, <laughs> just pushed through it. And then afterwards, it's not nearly as, as bad as I thought it was. Uh, well, I, I know you, you reference a lot of books in the writing of this one. I'd be curious to know what you would say are the, the two or three titles from the not too distant past that come to mind as having had a a big impact on you and maybe share how and why they impacted you as they did if you can. Sure. I'm an avid reader. The journey that I've been on the past several years has really been one of totally embracing self-development beyond just the strategies and structures of business, which can change, will change, are changing. What I always tell my clients is that the reason we work on mindset is that no matter what your business looks like tomorrow or in five years, it's still going to be you running it. And so the the more empowered and intuitive and able to make decisions and leader of a person you become, the better any business iteration or any, frankly, any business is going to go for you, right? Much better than let's just master how to run a Facebook ad, right? <laughs> Not that those can't be great at the right time, but you understand what I'm saying. So like, I think the things, the books that I would recommend are number one, The Big Leap by mm. Gay Hendricks, PhD that book, when I read it, it was kind of the first time that I went, oh my gosh, he gets me, right? <laughs> I had read all of the classics or listened to all of the classics of of kind of contemporary business building. And this was one where I went, oh my gosh, this is so profound. And I, I understand so much of my behavior through the lens <laughs> of this framework. <laughs> so I loved that book and I highly recommend it. 
the other pair of books that I just adore are Jen Sincero's books, You're a Badass and You're a Badass at Making Money. Mm. And I really appreciate about her that her writing is very smart and hilarious and also very deep at the same time. (laughs) And I think that it inspired me to be fully myself in my writing and to the point where my mom called me when she was reading it. She goes, I can hear you saying this stuff. (laughs) You and your editor captured your voice. And I went, yes, we did our job. Right. (laughs) And so I think that me being not the kind of straight laced professional business coach wearing a suit, being more passionate and quirky and, you know, kind of the theater geek that I was when I was young and like bringing that part of myself to my writing. That's something that Jen does really well. And I think that also it's just it's very powerful and uplifting and, of course, an easy read or even better, maybe a listen because she narrates them herself. I just think they're messages that we really need to to hear and embrace. And I think she very cleverly wraps them up in in comedy uh, so that it becomes that much more accessible. (laughs) Do you do uh, an ample amount of uh, public speaking? I do a little bit. And it's something now that I have a book I am looking to (laughs) expand into in terms of uh, another arm of my business. I'm also, I have a rainbow baby and Mm. she's almost two years old. And so pregnancy was obviously a very, a time when I didn't really want to be around a lot of people and have Mm. them say inane things like, oh, everything is going to be fine. I was afraid (laughs) I might punch someone, you know, and then... And of course, raising her, having an infant, all of that. I'm finally at a stage in my life where I can really be available to travel more now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's something that I'm very excited to continue to build on what I've already done. Great, great. Well, as as you've uh, honed your skills in that area, uh, I'd love it if you'd be willing to share, Christine, what you've learned about consistently delivering a public talk that's impactful and, and memorable. Sure. So much of it is knowing your audience. Mm. And just like with anything, know your niche, right? (laughs) I think that I see it as a little bit of a performance, of course, because people want to be entertained if they're listening Mm. to a talk, but also a, a way to connect to individuals, which is all a group of people listening to a public speaker is, right? Mm. And so being willing to, of course, as we all know, tie stories together and really go deep and detail oriented with those stories and find ways to compliment the audience, reflect back to them in a positive way who they are, make them feel good about themselves, but not in a not in a fake way, because ultimately what people are going to remember is how they feel when they listen to you. And I would argue that that's the same for business as well, right? Mm. When you're talking to a potential customer, they're probably not going to remember the exact things that you shared, but they're going to work with you because they remember how they felt when they were talking to you. And that stands out apart from maybe anybody else that they have talked to or researched. So the impact and the way to you know get comfortable with it is to really think about who are these people? How do we customize our, our talk to them? And I think this is slightly off topic, but a great <laughs> example is I, I, came to Nashville to see uh, Justin Timberlake. I took my, a few months ago, I took my assistant and bought us like VIP passes to celebrate the launch of the book and Mm. becoming a bestseller. And it was this great experience for the two of us to go uh, have a girl's night away. And, and what I noticed is that I had read like his set lists and I was like, I'm going to game this thing and make sure it's the best, you know, money I've ever spent. (laughs) But when I was looking at set lists, I noticed that he made sure to do like two songs in every city that were unique to that city. 
Mm. And so, and it was right before the big hockey playoffs and it was in the same arena that they were going to happen the next night in. And so they're out there with towels. They're out there talking about the predators. They're out there (laughs) singing these Nashville, you know, famous Nashville songs. And it was just, it raised the energy of the crowd so much to have that unique experience given to them. And I would say like, it's the same with a public speech. That's fantastic advice. I love that, uh, especially uh, as someone who lives in Nashville. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, I, I know the book's just been out for a little over a couple of months, so, so maybe it's it's premature to ask this question. I don't know, but you tell me. What are, what are you and your team working on now, maybe in addition to the book, or, or coming soon uh, that you're excited about? Definitely not premature. You know, I'm always <laughs> planning new things. So what's been really fun this summer is to record the audiobook, and I narrated that myself and so it's coming out the end of July, by the end of July on Audible mm-hmm. and iTunes. And then I am also planning a, a group program to t- kind of take the work of the book and make it uh, accessible and also bring community around it. Mm. And so that'll be coming this fall. But then the other big thing that I am doing is is uh, ramping up the speaking as well. So uh, if you need a speaker, I'm available. <laughs> um, <laughs> and i uh, just put that out there. Um, but you can download a free chapter of the book at Life with Passion. It, of course, is available on Amazon. And you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at LifeWPassion. Awesome. Well, the book, again, is called The Income Replacement Formula, Seven Simple Steps to Doing What You Love and Making Six Figures from Anywhere. Her name is Christine McAllister, 1L. Uh, Christine, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and appearing here with us today. I got a lot of it, and I think everybody else did, too. Thank you so much. I've absolutely loved it. As we celebrate this week, the fifth anniversary of the Read to Lead podcast, I think that's that's a pretty good way to celebrate, don't you? I, I loved chatting with Christine. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. For the links, resources like the book she referenced and other things we talked about, you'll find those at the page created just for this episode. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 224 for episode 224. Calvin in iTunes. Thank you, Calvin, for your fifth anniversary five-star rating and review. Calvin says this show has very practical and applicable advice. I think so, too, Calvin. Thank you for saying so, and thank you for your five-star rating and review. You can leave one of those, too, or any other kind of rating and review, but we like five-star rating and reviews the best at readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. Our sponsors make it possible to produce a high-quality show week after week. Thanks to FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software and to Self Publishing School. Find out more about them at freshbooks.com slash read to lead for that free 30-day trial from FreshBooks. And for your free copy of Published, just sign up for Chandler Bolt's free author training. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash published. For questions or comments, you can email me directly, jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Thank you.